welcome to our discussion, Beyond the Hype. Quality anti-harassment training delivers results. I'm Lisa Dishman, and today we are going to address a number of recent articles that have proclaimed anti-harassment training to be ineffectual. We're going to move past the headlines, some of which are attention-getting, maybe leaning toward clickbait that drives website traffic where the articles are posted, and really look beyond the off-the-shelf, mass-produced training options to understand what really works when it comes to anti-harassment training. Before we dig in, I want to introduce my colleague, Rochelle Weathersby, who has trained for years and years. Seriously, Rochelle has been with EPS almost since our founding 20 years ago. Rochelle just wrote an article on this subject, and we'll link to that and this podcast on our website. A bit about Rochelle. Prior to joining EPS those many years ago, Rochelle practiced law with the firm of Thomas L. Case and Associates in Dallas. While with EPS, Rochelle has conducted hundreds of training sessions for clients in the retail, hospitality, sales, manufacturing, legal, financial, restaurant, staffing, energy, and information technology industries. Rochelle is also an experienced workplace complaint investigator and is a sought-after speaker on the topic of preventing workplace discrimination claims. Rochelle obtained her Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration from the University of Missouri at Columbia and her JD from Louisiana State University. Go Tigers and welcome Rochelle. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Great for you to be here. I'm going to start our conversation with a sample or two of the recent headlines that I was referring to in the introduction. One, ethics trainings are even dumber than you think. The second, sexual harassment training may have reverse effects, suggests research. And even from the EEOC, a comment indicating, and I quote, not all types of anti-harassment training are equal. Our organization has been committed to training for more than 20 years, so those headlines don't exactly correlate with our experience, to say the least. It seems to me, Rochelle, that the article took a very narrow look at certain types of training, focusing on more canned, off-the-shelf, even broadly targeted online offerings, and drew their headlines from there. We know all training isn't created equal, and the EEOC was clear about that. So let's differentiate quality training from the training that these articles are broadly referencing. In making your rebuttal case in the article, again, that we'll have a link to on our website for highly customized quality training, you used the acronym TRAINSMART, top-down support. Why is that element at the top of the list that you created, Rochelle? The work environment starts at the top, Lisa, and, and leader support is a critical component to a successful training initiative. If your workforce knows that your leaders genuinely support the training efforts, it sends a powerful message that the materials and concepts discussed in those sessions are important and are really something that is critical to the organization's continued success. And for any organization, um, I think in, in putting together a training initiative, um, it's very important that the, the message sent by the leaders is that we are walking the talk 
um, in, in terms of these concepts and um, that they are doing that by modeling and supporting the behaviors that they want to encourage. I understand that, the top-down support piece. You also mentioned that respect was a really critical foundation piece in terms of the training. I thought that the compliance and the legal issues were in the forefront in, for employers when it comes to these types of training circumstances. How does respect play a role? Well, if you think about it, respect is a universal need that resonates with everyone and the most important component of a positive work environment. If I feel that my differences are respected and I will be respected when I speak up in the workplace, I'll be more productive, dedicated, and positive at work. I'll also be able to feel empowered that if, if there is a compliance or a legal issue in the workplace, that if I do raise that issue, I will be treated with respect, my differences and my viewpoints will be respected. Um, so to me, I think that, that respect is a, a critical component of, of both compliance and legal issues because without that sort of empowerment in the workplace, um, those sort of issues, employees will often hesitate to bring those issues forward and address them at the time that they occur so they can best be, a resolution can be found for those. So, Rochelle, you mentioned to begin with, top-down, having management um, committed to the training in a visible way. You talked about the foundation of respect. Now let's talk about some other elements that you said are parts of quality training initiatives. That's the organization's mission, their values, their culture, and their policies. Tell me a little bit more about that and how it relates to a quality training initiative. Well, Lisa, what I found is that many employees are familiar with their company's mission, values, culture, and policies in terms of what those ideas are, but oftentimes really don't have a good working knowledge of what those things mean in terms of daily behaviors. And what I think that what you can do in quality training is that you can incorporate all of those concepts into the materials by looking at the case studies and the role plays and really asking, are these behaviors that we, we see in these role plays or in these case studies, are they consistent with the company's mission and values, cultures and policies? And if not, how could we rewrite the behaviors in here so that they are? And I think that that can really drive home what an organization is trying to do if we can incorporate that into a customized training initiative that's really based on, on those concepts as the foundation for that. So you mentioned in that previous answer, you know, role plays and so forth. So interactive elements are important in terms of creating a quality training experience. And it's difficult to have meaningful interaction or meaningful role plays that refer back to an organization to reinforce the organization's mission, values, culture, and policies with training that's not created specifically for your organization. So help me understand how those elements and a quality training initiative creates those opportunities for interaction because in our company, we believe that interaction in the context of training is super important. So Rochelle, tell me a little bit about how great training creates opportunities for that interaction. 
Well, you know, when, when training is customized to your organization, classroom discussion can focus on the real issues that your workforce encounters on a daily basis. And this presents opportunities to discuss these issues in a safe environment and hear diverse viewpoints on the topics. And this is something that you just don't get in a canned, off-the-shelf training program. This, I think this really makes the training real to the participants when they can look at situations that could very well happen in their own workplace and have the opportunity to hear what other people think about that and receive information and feedback on how the situation should be handled and also the opportunity to, in some instances, to role play that and really get a feel for what they would actually say and do in a situation like that. So I find that that interaction really is such a key, critical part of a successful initiative because without it, you don't have your participants engaged. It doesn't seem real to them, and you, you really are going to get a much better outcome having that type of interaction in a session. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity for trainees to sort of really get engaged with specific scenarios that are particular to their workforce. And that is a very different experience than just reading something off of a screen or having the legal policy pieces sort of read to you in a more lecture format. Rochelle, you're a highly experienced trainer. You've delivered hundreds of classes at this point. How can employers balance the needs of the organization, schedules, budgets, and still make the training meaningful? As an employer, it's awfully tempting to choose a very inexpensive, off-the-shelf solution. So help me understand in terms of how I can balance the needs of my organization, wanting to have a high-impact initiative, schedules, budgets, all of those things. Help me understand how to balance that. Well, I can certainly understand that there are a lot of dynamics going on and, and uh, when a company is looking to undergo training. And I think one of the, the best ways to achieve the balance of all the different needs that you just mentioned, Lisa, is to partner with an experienced trainer who knows how to maximize results while minimizing costs and disruption. I think a lot of this starts in the planning process. And it's important to have a discussion at that point about what makes most sense for that organization in terms of its budget and its demands of its workforce and what else it has going on in terms of workload and production at the time of the training. I think it's important to be mindful in thinking about the timing of the training to make sure that it is done at a time that makes most sense for the largest number of workers so that the workforce will be engaged and be able to attend those sessions. I think that at this point it's also important to think about um, the scheduling, um, what that will look like, um, to make sure that they can maximize the number of classes in a day in a way that, that makes sense but also does not compromise the integrity of the training. And when an organization partners with a training organization that has 
encountered these sort of issues in the past and knows how to best structure classes in a way that, that minimizes disruption and cost, the organization can oftentimes achieve the objectives that it sought out to achieve without busting the budget. And I just I think a lot of that goes in mindful planning and, and making sure that all of these questions and issues are, are worked out at the outset of the training. Well, planning is important, uh, and you touched on this. The trainer clearly plays a role in making training worthwhile and results-oriented. What should employers look for in high-quality facilitators when it comes to anti-harassment training? They may have high-quality facilitators in-house, and they may have them outside the organization. Given that choice, Rochelle, what really constitutes a high-quality trainer when we're dealing with these harassment, discrimination, compliance-oriented issues? Employers should look for trainers who have relevant real-life experiences that they can use in the training. And when I say real-life experiences, I see that in two different ways. I see those experiences being those that relate to things that the trainer has actually encountered, for example, in terms of harassment and discrimination. I think it's important that the trainer incorporate those experiences into the actual content of the training session. Another important component of training, especially when we're talking about anti-harassment training, is that in those type of sessions, there's a number of human dynamics that play a part of, of the session. Um, you know, in any training session, you're going to encounter diverse opinions, viewpoints, emotions, because we're in a training session, we're talking about real-life situations, and many of the participants in, in an audience may have encountered those at some point during their career. So I think it's important that the trainer can touch upon their experience in, in handling and moderating um, those different viewpoints and emotions that will oftentimes be expressed during those sessions because those definitely will be a part of, of any sort of sensitivity, diversity, or anti-harassment training. So I think that that is um, both, I think those real-life experiences in both those respects is really what differentiates and sets apart a quality trainer in this area. And the stakes are high and things can get out of hand and a quality trainer with a lot of experience has seen it, done it, lived it, been there, and can really make that part of the session um, much more effective. Which kind of brings me to the question, you know, one of the knocks against off-the-shelf training is that it's so broad, it becomes meaningless for the particulars of a specific employer. And we've touched on a couple of these things, but specifically, Rochelle, what can be customized in a training initiative? Um, just give us a few examples um, to, to see how a customized training can differentiate from something that's much more generic. Um, and help us understand why that customization is so important. Quality training can offer many opportunities for customization. Some of the things that can be customized include the teaching points to be made, company policies and how these policies work, the case studies to be discussed, including things such as job titles of the individuals in the case studies and what they're doing and the types of issues they're encountering, uh, the case studies can also uh, really drive home a customized view of how to handle situations within a company's organizational framework 
And you can also customize role plays uh, that, that will be relevant and meaningful to an organization to, to help the participants learn how to handle difficult situations in the workplace. So there are many different things that can be customized in a quality training program. The, the reason that customization is so important is that the end result is that the, the organization wants to make sure that its workforce really feels that the training is something that is real and is meaningful. And if the organization is able to customize that and, and really put the training in terms that resonate with the attendees, then they've really gone a long way towards ensuring that the, the training is something that the attendees will take with them and, and, and be able to use those concepts and put them back into place in the, when they go back into, into the workplace. So that's really, um, for me, the, the key reason why customization is so important. And that's going back into the workplace with those concepts firmly embedded in the trainee's mind um, is really the goal of every employer. Rochelle, lastly, you know, training is a lot like exercise. It's not a one-and-done proposition, although employers probably wish it were. How can an organization, if they're going to invest, and high-quality training that reinforces the concept that they really want to drive home to their employees, how can they reinforce those concepts that are covered in the training and move the workforce in a consistently respectful, there's that key word again, productive direction after the training has been completed? This is where management and leader support is so key. I like to brainstorm with managers during training sessions about the key concepts that they took away from the sessions and talk about ways that they can incorporate those concepts into their interactions with the employees they supervise. And I think that there are two key components to that. I think it's important that managers be able to model behaviors that were discussed and reinforced in those training sessions. Once again, going back to that concept of we want to make sure that we are walking the talk with our workforce and that we really are committed to the ideas and concepts expressed in the training sessions. Secondly, I think it's important that managers reinforce the concepts verbally in meetings going forward, making reference to the training, referring to the policies, uh, stressing that they have an open door and that they and uh, human resources are there to support employees if they have questions or need more resources on the concepts discussed and encouraging employees to come forward and discuss those concepts. So. I think that that is also another very important part of a training initiative is educating managers on how to take that training back into the workforce and to really keep reinforcing those concepts. Um, another part of reinforcement is having the training session again, repeating training um, on an ongoing basis so those concepts are presented to employees again you know, those ideas are reinforced over time and really making it a key and integral part of the company's way of doing business. 
I think that's all really important. Uh, creating a respectful workplace is really a practice. Training is a critical part of that, but it's a practice that every day both managers and employees um, can use the training as a jumping off point for really an ongoing effort to creating a respectful workplace. Michelle, thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. You can read Rochelle's article on this subject, learn more about EPS services at our website, epspros.com. That's E-P-S-P-R-O-S.com. And you can listen to this podcast and share it with others on both SoundCloud and in iTunes. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. We'd love to hear your feedback and better understand the employment practices challenges you face as an HR or employment law professional, and we hope you'll join us on upcoming podcasts. Thanks again. Thanks, Lisa.